Well, I'm uh, Pastor Norm, and <clears throat> I am uh, the lead pastor here at the Hope. If I haven't met you, we've got some friends up here from Lansing, Michigan. Welcome. You guys are awesome. It's like they all showed up in one day. That's cool. It looks like we needed it because a bunch of our people aren't here, so, including my lovely wife. We were supposed to actually be preaching together today, and uh, she caught a cold. <laughs> so pray for her. It's like, uh, she felt so bad because I was really looking forward to if you've never seen us preach together, it's quite the sight. And I'm, I'm usually the fall guy. She's, yeah, she's the funny girl. So you, you guys, it's a treat. We'll, we'll try to do it again sometime in the near future. But uh, today you're stuck with just me. Um, but in the meantime, I, I trust that today's message will be one that uh, will get into your spirit. And, it, you know, I pray, I ask the Lord for direction um, it doesn't always come. I'm one of those pastors, and I, I know friends. I have friends that have scheduled out a year in advance. God bless them for that. I've tried. And I just, I, so far at least, I've not been successful. So each week I laboriously ask, Lord, what's this week? What do you want said? And clear as day on Tuesday, I heard this, 1 Corinthians 13. And I was like, Huh. And I kind of, like I always do, brush it off. That's not God. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 13. And it just kept coming back. And I finally called, that was when I called Barb, and I said, hey, do you think maybe we could do something together? And uh, anyway, long story short, then she got the cough and said, oh, I thought I'd be healthy by now. So today we're going to talk about faith, hope, and love, these three, and of course, the greatest of these is love. Amen. So, I want to back up. Oh, I needed to say this before I started. We were supposed to have a, a go to the pumpkin place today, but how many are like, hey, it's cold and rainy. I don't want to go to the pumpkin place today. That was me, because I was supposed to go too, and, and so we're going to do it next Sunday, all right? Just don't show up there at Fleming's Farm today because you'll be all by yourself, at least as far as this church is concerned. So next Sunday, and if you could, re-sign up on Facebook so we know about how many are coming. Uh, and if you don't have Facebook, let me know or, or let Melinda know, the, the youth leader downstairs, uh, just so we've got our ducks in a row. So we're going to start today with a different chapter than 13 because I want to lead into this thing. I, I want to show you that what I'm about to say is throughout the New Testament. All right? This isn't just one chapter in the middle of uh, Corinthians. Rather, it's the whole book, really, that talks about this. So, Romans 12, and I'm going to put this up behind me, and I wanted to read this one from The Passion. Sometimes I like to go here, and, and wow, it just really blessed me when I read this. So verse 9, let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another. How many of you live that way? That your heartbeat, your heartbeat is to love one another. And never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Now, again, this is fitting. You know, we can be, we can be somebody else behind this. I've seen people in the store get rude because they think they can because you can't see their face. Don't be that person. By the way, the word hypocrite comes from this. It means to put on another mask. That's what actors do. And there's actually another scripture I'm going to share later that talks about this. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Too many people today have fallen into the trap of going after the evil things. Despise that. Go after the things that are virtuous. Verses 10 and 11, be devoted 
Be intentional. These are my words. Go after this. Tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. You know, this doesn't get any clearer for the church. Where is the division? It's not out there. It's in the church. We should be able to hang with a Baptist, an evangelical, even a Catholic in love and honor one another. And I'm not talking about ecumenicism. I'm talking about the body of Christ. And I love this next part. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. Does this get any clearer? Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord. Keeping your passion toward Him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let Him fill you with excitement as you serve Him. Everything we do should be as unto the Lord. And I spent the last week in class listening to two brilliant men, men of God. And one of the things that came out of it was, you know, we too often think this is ministry. This is ministry. And what they hammered this last week was, how many have a job in, out there? Raise your hand. That is ministry. What you folks are doing out in the public with non-believers, that is where the real ministry takes place. And I've been challenged in my heart and in my spirit to do things different here in the future, and you'll, you'll get a glimpse of that sometime soon. But getting back to the message, we have to love each other. This isn't, this isn't a suggestion from the Lord. This is a commandment. This passage is the main thrust of what I'm going to talk about today. We, the local body, the church body, we represent the body of Christ to everybody out there. When they see us, they see Jesus, or at least they should, right? So we represent Him in all His glory to our friends, to our family. Listen, this has to start at home first. All right, so if your home is a mess, get that right. And then come here and then love the rest of us. The body of Christ, the family of Christ. Because I look at all of you as my family. I mean, I have blood family too, but listen, I love you guys. I wouldn't be here if I didn't. I'd be in some warm climate (laughs) where the sun comes out a little more than half the year. If we do not exhibit the love of God with each other, If we don't do that, then when we go to minister to somebody like our neighbor and they know us, and they, they, you know what they're going to say? They're going to say, hey, wait a minute. You can't even love those people you call your church family. And now you want to come and try to love me? You get it? Do you get what I'm trying to say here? That hypocritical thing again. You can't even love your own family. Why should I let you try to love me? If we show each other love and respect, if we do that, then our neighbors will see that side of us. And when we come to actually try to love them, they're going to be much more inviting, much more trusting as we try to share our love with them. By the way, again, this is a common theme throughout Scripture. So moving along, 1 John 4, 7 and 8, and then I'm going to actually get to our main passage. This is the NLT. Dear friends, let us continue to, say that with me, love one another. You get the, get the gist of this? Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. <laughs> that's you. Let us continue. That means we've been doing that already. Let us continue to love one another. For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. 
Anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. This passage, to me, this is, this is the litmus test for a Christian. And it, and it starts out in reverse. God is love, right? How many agree? Anyone who does not love does not know God. Don't call yourself a Christian if this doesn't represent you. Hello? Amen, Pastor. Good preaching, Pastor. I say so myself. But anyone who loves is a child of God. Air air high five, man. We're a child of God because we love one another. We have love in us. My main text today, again, going back to 1 Corinthians 13, if you want to turn there, if you have your electronic swords with you or your paperbacks. The Apostle Paul, and, and you might think, well, why did you start on 13? Because the Holy Spirit told me to, that's why. I hope to do a, a series soon on the Holy Spirit, and that will include, obviously, chapters 12 and 14. But this passage right in the middle, it, it, it's such a different saying from Paul that it actually threw off a lot of the, the scholars. They're like, wait a minute, that can't be Paul. Somebody else must have inserted this in between chapters 12 and 14. A lot of scholars feel that way because it's so different. In fact, I have a quote here. Uh, One of the commentaries said this about it. They said, it appears to constitute a literary rather than an epistolary style. Say that three times fast. And that supposedly interrupts the flow of chapters 12 through 14 on gifts within the church. So a lot of the scholarly community feel that Somebody else wrote this and they just shoved it in there in the middle. So I will ask you, was chapter 13 intentional? Was it from Paul? Did the Holy Spirit, with his unction, tell Paul to write that? If you really look at this passage, what you'll see is the brilliance of it. God sandwiched love right in between the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I call it a Holy Spirit sandwich. Was it intentional? I I believe it was. I really do. there's, There's no reason to suspect that it isn't supposed to be here. It was perfectly placed where people would see that unless the church uses the gifts of the Holy Spirit, knowledge, prophecy, tongues, serving, etc., unless we use all of them in the context of love, we're missing it. Taking this a step further, over my many years of ministry, and you all know I'm ancient. Wherever I have witnessed a schism, a, a division in the body, if you will, there's one ingredient that's always been missing. Love. So what does that say to me? It says that we need to get our love on and keep it on. Especially when it comes to the body of Christ. Christ to loving each other. Forget about the spiritual gifts just for a minute. Forget about your position of influence, whatever you do, whether it's in the church or in the secular community. Instead, do what God and the apostles modeled. Do what they told us to do. Love one another. Love one another. Hallelujah.
If you cannot do that, then you do not know God. And His love is not in you. 1 Corinthians 13, beginning with verse 1. And this is from the TNIV, so I'm jumping around a little bit. If I speak in a human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. You want to know what God hears? If That's what he hears. We, good timing, guys. Thank you. More cowbell. <laughs> That's what God hears when you minister without love. So what do you think that person's going to hear? <laughs> wah, 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 wah. But when you minister in the love of God, it changes everything. It changes the spiritual atmosphere. It changes you, which is the best part. You see, we, we're often so concerned about how somebody else is going to change, we neglect ourselves. We're so busy trying to get brother so-and-so into a right standing with God that we forget about our own standing. And it shouldn't be that way. You see, when you have God's love, you're thinking about where you're at first. You're, you're taking that stick out of your own eye, or, or actually log out of your own eye, before you try taking the stick out of your brother or sister's eye. That's what love does. Love is more conscious of our own behavior than it is about everybody else's. And I think that bears witness in the Scriptures. In fact, one of the, the things that I, I really, when I read this, I was like, all right, I like that. And it, it's an example of what Jesus did. I'm not going to share it, I'm not going to read it, but you can go there if you want to. But this is the woman that, known as Mary. So Jesus was invited to come have supper with these people. And you know, that was a big thing in the first century. When you sat down with somebody, it wasn't just a half an hour. It was, it was an afternoon event, right? And you sat there and you ate, you drank, you talked. You got to know each other. And while this is going on, this woman comes up to Jesus, lays at his feet, pours this oil all over him and her tears and then wipes his feet with her hair. Who does that? You know what happened next? The religious legalistic leaders blew a fuse. Doesn't he know isn't he a prophet? He can't see that she's a sinner? Do you think Jesus didn't know she was a sinner? Duh. We're all sinners. They didn't realize that at the time, obviously. But my point is, instead of Jesus blowing this woman up for what she was doing, he points out the positive. He doesn't call her out. Yeah, she did this yesterday and that last week and a year ago she did this. No. He said, look, she's honoring me right now. You know, she's here because she realizes how much the forgiveness of God means to her. Because she's come so far to get to here. You guys don't even realize it. Speaking to the, the religious legalistic leader, he said, you guys don't even realize what God's done for you. You think you're doing it for God. 
They had it backwards. Why? Because they didn't have the love in their hearts. To them, it was a religious duty. And that's all that meant anything to them. Church, if we are at that place where everything we do is a duty, we might as well stay home. And this is no directed intent toward those in our audience today. Some of you are home because of COVID, and I get that. I don't mean that. But if we're going to come together as a church body, it should be in love. That should be what motivates us. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. How many have heard this at weddings? Not to dismiss how awesome it is to share at a wedding, because honestly... If a marriage doesn't have this, it isn't going to make it. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Notice, it doesn't say it isn't angered. It isn't easily angered. Sometimes there's a righteous anger. Sometimes you ladies have a right to get angry with your husband. Sometimes a husband has a right to get angry with his wife. Just don't let it last too long. It keeps no record of wrongs. And this one drives me nuts. When we sit down with people who've been married for a season and they're bringing stuff up from 20 years ago. And if that's you, I'm sorry. I'm not calling anybody out here. I'm not naming names. I'm just saying, God forgave you of everything you've done. It's under the blood. What in the world are you doing holding your husband or your wife accountable for something that happened 20 years ago? Is it or is it not under the blood? That's what love does. It holds, has no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Who are you hanging out with? Evil or truth? It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. And I don't know if you know this, but this is a whole bunch of do's and don'ts that the Apostle Paul put up. Be patient, be kind, rejoice in truth, love protects, love trusts, love hopes, love perseveres. On the other side, do not be envious. Would you read these with me? Do not be envious. Do not be boastful. Do not be proud. Do not dishonor. Do not be selfish. Do not be easily angered. Do not keep score. Do not delight in evil. I was going to put these on a card But you guys have a thing called a Bible. And your version might be a little different, but it says the same thing. The do's and don'ts. If we live, and I'm going to say this, and love. If we live and love by this checklist, people are going to see the God in us. And they're going to welcome Him. The world, as you know, it leans way too much toward the negative. We, the church, we must be different. We must be better than that. If we want people to have a conversation with us, this has to be the utmost of importance in our lives, that everything we do is done with love in mind. The church's actions must be positive and not negative. It must be easier to be kind than it is to get angry. 
Now, I know it's the reverse. It's easier to get angry. It's, it's easier to hold a grudge than it is to forgive. I'm speaking from my own experience, and if you guys are telling the truth, you'd say amen like Clarence did. We want to hang on. We, we want to we wanna own that person. And what's God say? As you forgive, you will be forgiven. Those things that you bind will be bound. Those things you loose will be loosed. Talking about sins. Hmm. Love never fails. Verse 8. Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Now, some believe that this is saying that they should have ended. That's not what he's saying here. It's the context of this. What he's saying is there's coming a day when these things will no longer be necessary. But until Jesus comes back in what we call the parousia, we need it. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be successful, to be victorious over sin and over death. We need it. That's why God gave us His Holy Spirit. He said, I can't send Him until I'm gone. Be happy that I'm leaving because I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That's good news. When I read this part, I'm reminded of a marriage. This is the way a man and a woman love each other in marriage. Now, how many, when you first met your sweetie, man, fireworks went off. Right? There was a passion there that you couldn't be apart. All you did was think about them. Every minute you'd be working and going, oh, I just want to go home and be with my sweetie. That's what it's like in the beginning of marriage. And then time comes. Time, time has a way of changing things. Not, not necessarily in a bad way, you know. I mean, we do look different. My family looked at some uh, videos of me when I was like in my early 30s. And I went, who is that? I was skinny. Man. This is where I, where I want to take Adobe Photoshop Eldon and just go, you know, just thin those. You've done that, haven't you? Love begins that way, but something happens over time. It changes. That passion that you have, not that, not that you're not still in love physically with each other, the man and the woman, but that love goes to a different place. It, it, it's deeper, if I can put it that way. Um, my experience, it, it's more real. And I still, when I'm away from my sweetie, I miss her. Day one, I miss you. Day two, I miss you. Exclamation, heart, 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 heart. Day three, I really miss you. Bunches of hearts. Emojis, whatever they call them. I don't know. And, and by the time I finally get home, you know, we're both like, ah! jump into each other's arms. Where was I? That deeper love that you have for each other grows and matures. Some things fade away, but the love that you have for each other never fades away. This also relates to the church. The love that we have for each other 
never fades away. Hear this. We're going to live forever. Look at your neighbor and say forever. We're going to live forever together. Listen, if you haven't got rid of that grudge here, then you're going to have it in heaven. No, you're not. That's going to be wiped away. But listen, do you see my point? We have opportunity here to love each other, to honor and respect each other, to hold each other up dearly. How are we doing with that, church? We represent Jesus Christ in all that He did for us. Let's show the world that that meant something. Let's show the world that it really does bring change to us. Listen, there's going to come a day when prophecy and words of knowledge and tongues will no longer be needed. But love will always be needed. Love will last forever. Verses 9 and 10, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. How many have ever thought this was a little bit of kind of some weird language here? What in the world is he talking about? We're not going to understand everything on this side of heaven. We don't need to. Have you ever noticed how when God uh, shows you something, it's always on an as-needed basis? He, he doesn't show you the whole picture. That's what He does. <laughs> that's, that's His job. Take care of all that, your future. He gives you the next step or two so that you can, by faith, take those steps. That's what this is saying. And sometimes, I have to be honest with you, that can be really frustrating. <laughs> because I want to know. I want to know what God's going to do next. Whether it be with me or with this church or with our community, I want to know what's next. But I have to live my life by faith. Believing that He's got this. And as long as I'm obedient to what He challenges me to do next, it's going to be okay. As long as I take that one step and put my foot in the other one, in front of the other one, and, and I keep doing that, I'm going to make progress. Don't get frustrated when God doesn't give you the whole picture. Just be obedient. And the next part just kind of runs along with this. When I, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. I kind of chuckled when I read this because I was sitting with some students at lunch uh, on Friday, and they were, one of the guys was talking about a group that they're Star Wars. They, they have cards and all kinds of stuff that you get together and you do these different scenes and scenarios. And, and, and they invited him to come over to their house. And these are older guys. And, and he's, he walks in and I mean the whole room is decorated like a starship. And he just was, he was floored. He was like, really? He says, I like this stuff, but whoa. <laughs> They're kind of over. You know, sometimes... <laughs> We need to put away the childhood things. And that's, if you're one of those, please. I've seen some of you don the Star Trek uniforms. It's all right. Have fun, Sarah. I'm not messing with you. Well, I am kind of, but I love that you love that. At some point, Christians need to mature. And I'm talking about spiritual things. Too many are stuck on step one. They get saved, and they get saved, and they get saved, and they get saved. 
And, and I just want to say, God has so much more for you than just getting saved. Look to Him. Look to the Holy Spirit, the Master Teacher. Let Him teach you. For some of you, you need this. Let the Holy Spirit parent you. Let your Heavenly Father speak into your life and learn from Him. Some of us didn't have such a good life growing up and we didn't have that parent relationship, so we're, we're not, if I can use this word, normal as a result. You know what? Your Heavenly Father will love you properly if you'll let Him. And He'll lead you and He'll guide you and He'll teach you His ways. It reminds me of, of how our kids parent, parent us. If you've ever noticed when my grandkids are up here, the highlight for Pastor Barb is standing right back there in the back with either one or both of our grandkids as she's worshiping. And little Isabel, who's now, what, eight months-ish, she watches Mimi do this. And I've seen her do it. All of a sudden, her little hand goes up. You know what that does to Barb? <laughs> She's like, oh. And she even tries to sing the words. She'll, she'll start saying things, kind of like Pastor Barb, usually the wrong words. But No, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, Barb. I know you're listening. <laughs> I'm throwing her under the bus. She's not here. I said that for your benefit. But here's the thing, parroting, mimicking, if you will, leads to habit. Habit leads to lifestyle. We need to mimic Jesus and the apostles. We need to parrot what they did, and eventually it will become a lifestyle for us. I believe this is so true. Eventually you will mature. Verse 12, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And again, oops, I didn't put it up, did I? Oops. There we go. How's that? You can read it again after I put it up. So, what I, what I wanted you to see when he wrote this, you see, they didn't have mirrors back then like we have today. You look in the mirror today, what do you see? It's not, it's not blurred. It's this beautiful rendition of you. It's just reversed. When, they, when he wrote this uh, in those days, they actually used... Uh, well, let me just share this. It says, in the NIV Study Bible, it says this. The imagery is of a polished metal, probably bronze mirror, in which one could receive only an imperfect reflection, in contrast to seeing the Lord directly and clearly in heaven. So when they looked in that bronze, you know, they tried to polish it. There was some reflection, but it wasn't a clear vision like we have today in the mirror. That's what Paul was trying to get across. We don't see the Lord for what He really... If we really saw Jesus for who He was, if we saw the Holy Spirit visibly, you know what we'd be doing right now? <laughs> we wouldn't be able to get off our knees. You're too beautiful, Lord. Oh! You're, you're amazing. Oh! We just keep going down. Holy, holy, holy! Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. We wouldn't be able to get up. So maybe that's why we don't see things like that yet. But there is coming a day when we will. All right? Things won't be as blurred as they once were. And it'll begin to make perfect sense. 
why we had to go through some of the things we've gone through on this life. Just by an upraised hand, how many have lost someone they love dearly? And you ask the question, why? Why? Whether it's a child or a spouse, why? We don't get it. But I want you to, to hear this next part, and this is so important. Sometimes the things the Lord has us go through make us better. In a strange, unusual way, at least to us. Now, to God, He gets it. Because He's God. But to us, we're, we're all like, why? Why all the pain? And yet that pain helps us to become the man or the woman of God that we need to become. Those heartaches you went through, there's a reason for it. Now sometimes it's our own sinful nature that puts us there. But there are other times that God allows it to happen so it will change us. And we'll be able to one day better minister to the body of Christ as a result. We may not see it now, but hang on. Someday you'll go, oh, that's why the Lord let that happen. You know, Sometimes God puts people in our path that make us uncomfortable. I use the analogy of the burr under the saddle. Have you, you heard that before? If you put a little burr, a little tick or something underneath the saddle on a horse, what do you think is going to happen? You're probably going to get ejected at some point because that horse is not comfortable especially as you add weight to that saddle and it just kind of grinds that burr in. You know, there are people that God puts in your life that are like that burr. And one of the dear saints years ago, when we first started up here, one of the first things that she said to us was this. She said, listen, God puts those kind of people, if I can, if I can use that analogy, uh, I often call them stinkers. Just saying. You know, doesn't mean they stink, it just means they're stinkers. You never know what's going to come out of them next. So she said this, she said, when you see them coming down the hall, they are a reminder from God to get on your knees and pray. And I just went, wow. That's genius. When you see that person coming toward you, don't start thinking all the negativity stuff. Oh, they're going to they're gonna take up my whole day. Oh, geez, what kind of gossip am I going to hear today? Oh, geez. You know, on and on and on. Instead, look at that sister as a blessing from God. I wasn't looking at you. This time. <laughs> Scrappy-doo. That's my affectionate nickname for her. God will put those people in your life so that you'll pray for them. You'll forgive them. <sighs> and guess what? If you don't, you know what's going to happen? He's going to keep putting them in your path. And if not one, he'll bring another one in. Or another. Now, I, I have enough time. So this just happened to me. And you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in this world today between uh, different races, right? Blacks and whites and Hispanics and the, the myriad of colors. And by the way, I don't, I don't, I'm not white. That's not white, right? 
this is white. I ain't white. I'm, I'm some kind of tannish. I don't know what I am. I'm old. I know that. So I go out. I'm at my uh, hotel. I get back from school, went to my room, and I wanted to go get something to eat. So when I'm walking out, I see this man changing his tire or attempting to. And it was right outside the, the door of the hotel. And I looked at him and I went, huh, that man's changing his tire. <laughs> and I, you know what I thought? I thought, well, I don't have any tools in my truck. I mean, I didn't go down there to work on somebody's car. I went down there to go to school. So I got my truck and I took off. And You know how you feel sometimes that little, that, that, you know what I'm saying? Went, got my food, came back, ate, and I had to go get some bottled water out of my truck. So I went down, and as I went outside, now it's dark. When I got back with my lunch, he wasn't there. When I went out after eating to get that bottled water, he was there, struggling. Still hadn't gotten that tire changed. Now, he was a, a, a large man. And, and he wasn't tan. He was, he was a, a black man. And my thought was, it's dark. I don't know this guy. He could be a, a nice guy or not. I don't know. And the Holy Spirit said, go get your flashlight out. The man can't even see. I had a flashlight. So I went and got it. And I turned on my bright flashlight. And I started talking to him a little bit. And he, he, every other word was an expletive, but that's all right. That didn't bother me. And, and as I talked to him, I could tell he was, he was doing one of these. I'm like, is your back hurting you? He goes, yeah. I said, well, I'll tell you what. And he explained what had happened. He, he started with one little jack. It, it, it blew up. It was under the truck. It, it blew up. There, there weren't any hardly parts left of it. So he went and bought a three-ton jack that weighed about 80 pounds. And that's what he was using to jack the car up. But he couldn't get it on there because the wheel needed to be turned. So I said, get in your car, turn your wheel. And he did. And I said, why don't you let me do this? And I got under it and I got the tire on and got the lugs on for him. Here's my point. I didn't want to do that at first. I was a little bit afraid. I'll be honest with you. It was nighttime. I didn't know the man. I'm in Grand Rapids. I'm a little boy from Gaylord, Michigan. <laughs> but the Holy Ghost said, he's a human being too. He needs help. Love him enough to go help him. God gave me three tries, and I finally got it right. And the man thanked me, and, and all I said was, God bless you. You know, I didn't go into some, hey, do you know Jesus? <laughs> and I, I, didn't do the, I didn't tell you that story for this. I told you that story to say it took me three tries to get it right. Bad me. I should have done it the first time. God will put people in our path. And they're not there for you to change them. They're there so that God can change you. Last verse. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. As I begin to close, hmm. we're not a Christian without these three attributes love being the greatest. We have faith in our God who loves us and paid the price for our sins. We have hope 
that we have a future, a blessed, God-filled future. Hallelujah. And no matter what happens, we have the love of God in our hearts. He will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Take these three attributes, faith, hope, love. Live your life. Love the people that God has put in your life. And just a little, another aside, and I, I really felt strongly about this being somebody here. Don't let anyone harden your heart. You know, when your heart gets hard, it breaks God's heart. People hurt us. That's just a given. Family, friends, church family. People hurt. Claudia used to always say, the sheep bite. (laughs) That's just who we are. If you ever find yourself in that place where, where you feel like, I just can't go on loving people that you're angry with any either group of people or an, an individual or whatever it is, you know what that time should lead to? It should lead to you getting on your knees, on your face, and saying, God, help me to forgive. Lord, help me to have a soft heart, a, a, a pliable heart that you can use That's what you need to do. Don't don't go to the grave. I have been at bedsides before with people who were still angry with somebody. And that anger, as I like to say it, 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 it drives a root of bitterness into that person. And the roots go so deep that they can't get rid of it. And and Joyce Myers used to say this or still does: don't get bitter, get better. And you do that by taking those burrs in your life and asking God to help you overcome to love that person with His love. You know, it's not something you're going to have in you, but He can put it there. It's a supernatural love that He can put there. You know, He hung on that cross and He said, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's the kind of agape, unconditional love that God can do and put into you so that you can forgive others and your heart can be soft. Hallelujah. Jesus sent His Spirit with the spiritual gifts so that we could look more like Him when we go out and minister to others. It's not for us. It's not this selfish thing that God said, here, I just want to give you all these gifts. Now you just go home and enjoy them. The only one that's, that's made for that is tongues. The rest of them are to be shared with the body of Christ in the world. But we cannot and we do not look like Him if we operate in the gifts without love. Would you stand? I don't know where you stand today with the Lord. Maybe you're that one. Maybe there's more than one here that you would admit today that you have a hard heart. That you have allowed 
something, something you you face, something, someone maybe, maybe there's a face to this that has hurt you so deeply. And the Holy Spirit would say to you today, son, daughter, I don't want you to leave with that. I want you to leave whole with a soft heart, with my love. As I've loved you, I want you to go and love others. So, everybody's heads bowed. Please, just, just for a moment. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I think that might be me. You're, you're courageous enough to acknowledge that. Would you lift your hand so I can see it? Yep, yep. Anybody else? Put them down. Anybody else? Yep, you can put them down. Anybody else? Many hands have gone up. Listen, I'm believing, I'm trusting that somebody out there sitting in their home today is dealing with this very issue. And the Holy Spirit's got a miracle for you and for everyone here. If you'll just acknowledge that today and let Him move in your life. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray. And I don't normally do this, but um, could we have our, is everybody still here on the worship team? Could we have the worship team come back? That last song, Holy Spirit. Could we just let the Holy Spirit move here? And if, if you're inclined to, whether you raised your hand or not, I, I don't, you may just want more of God. Because I'm not trying to point anybody out here today. You don't need to come up, but I'm going to invite you to come up and just stand at the altar, would you? And just, all right, I know we're in COVID. Who? I don't care right now. Just, you know, be good. If you need to, wear a mask if you want to come up. But um, let, let's go ahead and start singing that. Listen, we're nothing without the Holy Spirit. He comes and He makes all things fresh, all things new. He's not concerned about your past as much as He is about your future. He wants the best for you. And the best is when you allow Him the privilege and the honor of shaping and molding your heart. Sometimes that's painful. I'm not, I'm not going to say it'll be easy for some of you, but when you can get to that place where you say, Lord, I don't see that person's face anymore. I don't, I don't feel that hatred that I have felt for that one before or that organization. Maybe it's a church body that hurt you. Does that happen? Oh, yeah. That's why a lot of the New Testament focused on that. It's a real thing. Maybe it's a spouse, an ex-spouse. God wants you to be healed in His name. So I want you to do this. Just lift your hands up like a funnel. And just say, Holy Spirit, have your way with me. This heart that's in between, this hard heart, I give you permission to break it, shatter it, and give me a soft and pliable heart once again. You are the potter. I am the clay. I place myself in your hands. In Jesus' name. Now heal me of any hurt, bitterness, wrongdoing, sin, and make me a new person. I give you my all. All that I am, 
all that I have, I place it in your hands. And now, Lord, replace all that mess with the love of God, that agape love, unconditional, that I may love others just as you've loved me. And I pray this again in the strong name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and everybody that can said, Amen. Amen. You want to finish that song out? Father, we're done here. Continue to move with this body, within this body. Help us to love each other. Help us to love our families at home even more. And Lord, we look forward to the day when we're all in heaven together, lifting our praises to you. Until then, keep everybody safe, all our friends from a distance. Get them home safe, Lord. Loose traveling mercies around them and angels if need be. We love you and we commit this body of believers into your hands. God bless you at home. God bless you here. Thank you for coming today.